0: Today's scripture reading comes from the book of Deuteronomy 5, 6-7, through and John 1, 16-18. From the book of Deuteronomy, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. From the book of John, for from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace, for the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. This is the word of the Lord. The is the Revive Church, uh, part 16 of this series, which will complete um, our run through the Ten Commandments. And um, it's, been, it's been quite a journey. And um, I would like to conclude this series with a message um, that talks about, that returns back to the theme that started this um, message, this whole series. I, I, I don't know if any of you guys ever go back and uh, listen to um, previous sermons, but I, I would say this week is a good week. I'd like to in- invite you to go into, onto our YouTube channel or, or maybe our podcast and re-listen to um, the very first message of this series. Now that you know, we've kind of gone through all these different commandments... And we've talked about each week, in one way or the other, how the law points to the fact that we, that the law is not enough, that even if you're told the right things, because it's the law of God, that, uh, that we can't do it, that we are unable and insufficient, both in even just in our intent, and even if you want to do it and have like tremendous discipline, your heart is still unable to obey these commandments. And um, so more than the law, we need um, the gospel. We need Jesus who brings, uh, as I would like to talk about, truth and grace. So uh, let's get into it. And today, I only have two parts. Surprise, (laughs) okay? Two parts, part one. The law is necessary and good, but insufficient, right? The law is necessary and good, but insufficient. And part two, the power of truth and grace through Christ, fulfilling God's purpose. Not the power of uh, my own good intentions, not the power of my obedience, not um, how good I am at trying to be a good person, or how good I am at even trying to be a Christian, but the power of truth and grace through Jesus. This is why salvation is, it all hinges really on faith. And faith in somebody, not just like I have faith in an idea, but you really have a profound trust in a person and what he has done for you that. He, that none of us could possibly have done for ourselves, and we call this the gospel. And so um, after this big journey of going through all the, of the commandments, uh, we come back really to the gospel, all right? So the power of truth and grace. Um, so let's get into this. Part one, the law is necessary and good, but insufficient. Um, I hope, maybe I hope you remember this, and I hope this isn't boring to you, but what I want to do is I want to tell you um, I want to take you back to something I taught earlier in this series, which is classically the theologians have said, what is the purpose of the law? God gives us these rules. And there's more rules than just the Ten Commandments, but these are particularly, I mean, you know, have been really, that really have shaped um, God's um, way of teaching us how we are to be in relationship, how we are to be in covenant with him. And I want to give you the three key purposes of the law that as the, as the great Bible teachers throughout history, as they've studied the Bible, as, um, they've put upon it. And I want to just, sh- so as we now have gone through this, you can see these purposes. You know? So number one, the first one is, to con- is the conviction of sin. If you do not know what is the law, then you don't know what the standard is. But as soon as you know what the standard is, and then you can begin to see, and this is strange that we don't meet the standard. And maybe you've been feeling this week in and week out. Um, You thought, I don't murder anybody. I think I'm going to be good this week. And then you found out that Jesus says, if you hate somebody in your heart, and if you have a deep well of unforgiveness and bitterness toward them, well, you are a murderer. And then now all of a sudden the room went from zero guilty people, or (laughs) I hope nobody's murdered anybody in this room, all right? Or very, very few people who feel guilty about actual murder, in the sense of like physically murdering somebody, and then all of a sudden the room goes to 100%, we have fallen short. So part one, the first one, the conviction of sin. Second one um, is the restraint of evil in society. So some people have called this the civil use of the law, and it goes something like like this. Um, If there are no clear law and standards, then people will pretty much just start doing whatever they want. You know what we're starting to see? There's a lot of laws of man. There's lots of rules about right and wrong. And then you know what we're starting to see? When there's so many of them, there isn't a clarity of what is actually truly right and truly wrong. You know what happens? Um, People just don't care about any of them. And we're seeing that today. Don't care about any of them. And so uh, you're wondering if our society is literally, it's literally fallen apart. Because the law, we are becoming a lawless society. There's all these legal laws, but there's no law inside of our hearts to say that this is truly right. This is right. That if you have any decency inside of you at all, you should follow this. And now there's warring factions. There's this is right, and then there's this is right, and now I hate you, and now we judge you, and we bully you, and we, um, we tell everybody that you're such a bad person. When um, these are the only laws we have, uh, we have no restraint or very little And increasingly. just It just erodes away restraint even from society. But it's really needed. We need a law and a law from God that everybody can say, you know, that law, that's a righteous law. Um, you know, even apart from the gospel, if we even had the law of God and people took that seriously, that would help a lot. Um, but of course, our society doesn't, you know, so much of our society doesn't believe in a law from God. We only have the law of morality from men, and it is, it is absolutely not working, right? Um, the third use. So we have the conviction of sin. We have the restraint of evil in society. And the third one um, is mostly for Christians, which is an aid and wisdom for how to pursue genuine sanctification and change inside of you. And I hope that's worked for you this this then. The week in and week out as we've gone through this, maybe this, when you started this series, you didn't think of yourself as particularly sinful on the question of uh, you shall not steal. But then when you start thinking about just the whole spirit of stealing is about me and being a taker, I'm gonna, I need to be a taker, get mine, and not what it means to contribute. And constantly you're thinking about my life and not the life of the we, and maybe that part of that part of your, 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 your sanctification, you sort of that's this is pretty bad inside of me. And this is a whole vision of God's purposes. And boy, do I need the gospel to change inside us. And then so here we go. But um, notice that without the gospel, even if you just have these three things, you know what we don't have? We don't have forgiveness. We don't have atonement. We don't have mercy. We don't have, um, maybe we get some humility, but we often don't have gentleness and humility and patience toward each other. Um, We don't have a deep eternal hope. Where's the kingdom? Where's the pathway? Maybe we won't have total evil and oppression in our society, but uh, we'll pretty much still have a lot of um, injustice and hypocrisy in our society if we only have the law. So, um, the law, the law is insufficient in so many ways. Um, Let me offer to you just a couple of things of of ways that's insufficient. Number one, let's say we've had the law of God. So here's the way that the Bible puts it: Um, you know, the law, the law, no, uh, verse 17 of John chapter one. For the law was given through Moses. You know which law this is? It's from God. (laughs) This law that we've been, they've been going through each week, it's not Sutangs, It's not Christian tradition. It's from God. It's written down. Any of you can take a look at it. It's unbelievable accountability. It's absolutely clear. Even a five-year-old can understand so much of what's being said in, in, of here. And you know, if, if a, a five-year-old can watch his dad cheat on his tax and go, hey, what's, cool? what's up with that, dad? I think you're breaking God's law. Um, but... Even then, it it it's not enough. You know? Do you notice that? Uh, we we I I want to. I mean, I don't want to get overly political about this, but um, it's important that the law in our society is actually written down. Do you know that? Um, it's written down in a constitution, and that you can go to the constitution. You can read what it says. You don't need an expert professor or a judge to say what it says. You, as an average person, as an average American, you have ownership in that law. And then, because this is our standard and what we stand by, and then you can hold other people accountable. That is very, very helpful. But more and more, you know, as sophisticated people go this way, they start to ignore what is actually said. And then um, that accountability goes away. And that's, if it's good, that's a good thing. A lot of societies, they don't even write down what everybody's accountable to. And then the people in power just change the rules. Maybe you work for a company, there were certain rules, and then they just changed the rules, and it was like a complete flip flop. And now your boss has just utterly changed the rules on you, and now they they use a different standard on you. Um, But it's incredible. The Bible wrote it down. And even then, it's still not good enough, is it? Still not good enough. It's not good enough to stop pastors from lying to their congregations. It's not good. It's not strong enough from richer people in in the church. I'm talking about inside the church. From abusing the system when they go outside or, or like using racism inside the church. Um, The law, even when good, it's still not enough. And, um, and what I want to do is uh, I want to offer you a couple things. Um, you know, if you have the law, it is very helpful to put some break on, like, the power, especially, I would say this is, it, from a civic point of view, one of the most important things about having the law. And if you we become a society that does not have a rule of law, let me tell you, this, this most super basic thing just goes away. We're very close in our society to not being a society of the rule of law. And if a church doesn't have the law Then what are we? Just a bunch of feel-good people. We're gonna just show up to a bunch of touchy-feely, feel good, but there's no standard of how we're supposed to treat each other. And then the rich and powerful person inside the church, you know, is two-faced and then abuses weaker people inside the church because we have no law and standard. But how about even in our society, it's even worse? So there has to be a rule of law, but it's not enough. Now, I want to offer you, like, just, just, let me just give you just two examples. And then here's the second portion I want to get to as to why it's not enough. And um, the reason it's not enough, and this is if the first part, I wanted to give you a practical thing. The law is good. It is, it's not a little bit necessary. It's absolutely necessary. It's absolutely necessary in society. It's absolutely necessary in the church. It's absolutely necessary to the Christian life. So a Christian who does not use the law, does not know the law, we just have the gospel. Or some people just say, I'm just a New Testament Christian, I can ignore the law. I mean, if a person ever says to you, that person's probably not a Christian. Or if they think they're a Christian, they're a really bad Christian, a really ignorant Christian. Or they have such a a degraded view, their understanding of grace is supremely cheap grace. Because all of God's true grace is a fulfillment of the law through Jesus, and thus we can receive grace. And so Christians do not cast off the law. We actually chase after the law, but actually we chase after more than the law. We chase after Jesus himself. We're not interested in a, in a, in a, in a mere like, low standard. And so if you're the kind of Christian who goes, I know what the rules are. I'm going to just make sure I'm just like, just this much above that rule? That, that, is, not, that is not of Christ. Christ isn't just this much of the rule. He is... He is utterly glorious and beautiful. He's not a little bit above the rules. He actually is so incredible. He fulfills all the rules and gives us a righteousness just far more than we could possibly do on our own. And that gets us to the second point that I want to make about why the law is not sufficient. And the reason that is not sufficient is because our righteousness is not good enough. I want to give you just two examples of this. And I can say this to you, and those of you who grew up in the church, you're like, okay, oh, that's right, that's right. But I want to help you feel this. Hmm. So many people, we can believe in our head that our righteousness is not good enough. I know so many Christians that until they've walked in their, in, in, in their righteousness, they thought, I'm a decently good Christian. Of course, I'm a sinner, and I need Jesus to have forgiven me. Otherwise, I'm, I'm not going to make it. That's a really good message. Thank you for that. And then they think of themselves as a good Christian And then somewhere along the line, then they have to seriously fail. They seriously fail their relationship. They seriously thought they end up doing something they never thought they'd end up doing. And then they go, my goodness, they finally realize their righteousness really is really this weak. And then you have a whole new encounter with the way you start thinking about the gospel again. You've been a Christian for 15, 20 years. And then you have an affair. Everybody in the church thought you were a good person. And then you go, how the heck did I end up having an affair? And then now your life completely blows apart. And then you have to re-remember it's because, oh yes, the gospel of righteousness is really that much garbage. I'll give you a couple examples. Um, uh, A few weeks ago, I, I, I quoted you from a song. So, I, I was told that the, the singer of the song, her name is pronounced Kina. Okay, so sorry for those of you guys. <laughs> I mispronounced it a few weeks ago. Okay, so um, let, let me go over the, the chorus of a song I gave you a few weeks ago, and it was called I Will Spend My Whole Life Loving You. If you watch the video on YouTube, it's, um, you know, it's a celebration, you actually see sequences from her marriage. And the song is a duet from her and her husband, actually. Um, her husband is a singer in, this, in the group Imaginary Future. And then, of course, Kina Grannis. So they're actually kind of like two different bands, but they come together to sing this song. And here is, listen to the righteousness, okay? Here is what their righteous law standard is. And it's sung inside the chorus of the song. And everybody has this in their marriage. Okay, here it goes, right? I say, baby, isn't it crazy? We are born only to die. Oh, believe me, I've been counting my stars because I will spend, here it is, here's the law, here's the righteousness. I will spend my whole life Loving you. Oh, I've been counting my stars because I will spend my whole life loving you. And isn't that really beautiful? Oh gosh, and she sings it so beautifully. And if you sing, if you hear that song, of course you should, you should play that. <laughs> and uh, all you guys out there, it's a good song for you to play on your anniversary. You know, uh, on Valentine's Day or something like this but let's get really real now. I will spend my whole life loving you on our righteousness. What's the divorce statistics? Nobody gets marriage, married thinking I'm gonna end, well, I don't know, maybe I shouldn't say nobody. There's probably some percentage of people out there going like, if this doesn't work, I'll just get divorced. But on that day, they'll say, till death do us part. Righteousness, all our righteousness, and you know, there's a lot of people today. I really feel for a lot of people, um, a lot of young people today, a lot of millennials. You know why they're not getting married? Because they already don't believe in their own righteousness. They they don't want to be fake. They say I want to be authentic, and I don't want to be some hypocritical liar, which is good. So I'm not going to stand in front of like all my closest friends and do this ceremony, maybe in the church, maybe not in the church. And tell somebody, I will spend my whole life loving you when I'm not even sure I believe I can do that. I'm not even sure if I believe it. And a lot of people, therefore, that's why marriage. And then so I've noticed, you know, when I go to weddings now, uh, you know, and I see a lot of young people, and they're so celebratory of the wedding day, which we should be. But I pick up that they're celebrating that somebody actually believes that they can actually have the righteousness to do this, to do marriage. And even though in the back of their mind they're thinking, yeah, it probably may not work. <laughs> There's a lot, There are people who show up at marriages and they probably are thinking, it probably is not going to work. And that's one of the most important commitments in all of life. In all of life. Right? Give me a second one. You know, in our country right now, we have this gigantic elephant in the room of our country. And um and you know when I listen to, you know, when I listen when I watch things on TV, or I I don't try to watch too much TV news now, but maybe like YouTube news. And um I read a lot of different articles from both the left and the right, all these different perspectives, from black folks, from white folks, from you know minorities who are neither black nor white. And um, what I hear is a lot of righteousness and a lot of putting our hopes in, we can do this. If only you just did it this way. You, you're not doing it this way. So you're not on the righteous side. No, you need to be on our side. And then we're on the righteous side and we will, we're going to do this. And um, let me just ask you this question isn't it really plainly obvious that our righteousness is absolutely spectacularly failed? Huh. It's actually spectacularly failed. I want to give you a quote. So, this is from a very famous man, and he gave this speech in 1963. You probably know it. You probably don't, have probably never heard the whole thing. And you probably only know a little snippet of it and probably the most snippet of it. So let me just give you the famous portion, but you'll hear a little bit more of what he says. And then I want to take you to a portion where he's calling forth the righteousness. So here's here's where he puts it. So as soon as um, you're like, who is this famous man? You could probably guess, but after I start going into the speech, you'll know. Let us not wallow in the valley of despair. I say to you today, my friends, so even though we face the difficulties of today and tomorrow, I still have a dream. (laughs) Yes, it is a dream deeply rooted in the American dream. I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up and live out the true meaning of its creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal. And then there's applause, applause from the video. I have a dream that one day on the red hills of Georgia, the sons of former slaves and the sons of former slave owners will be able to sit down together at the table of brotherhood. I have a dream that one day even the state of Mississippi, a state sweltering with the heat of injustice, sweltering with the heat of oppression, will be transformed into an oasis of freedom and justice. I have a dream that my four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. Oh, I have a dream today. Do you hear this? They will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character that could be um, you know that if we had a series of american commandments that and we could put it up on a tablet on the wall and we put it up on the wall of every public school in the country that should probably be in there where, where we will judge other people by the color, not by the color of their skin but by the content of their character human righteousness total fail total complete 100% fail and now written into our laws to fail that we're not anywhere close to doing this today, 57 years later. Even though after 57 years, we have thrown everything of the kitchen sink of our righteousness to do this. And I would say we're probably worse at this today. I don't know. Are we worse? Some ways better and some ways worse. Let me tell you another part. Here, before he gets to this portion of that speech, here's something he says. Listen to this. It's actually incredible in light of the incredible pain and failure of righteousness that we have in our society today. There's something I must say to my people. And he's saying it to, you know, he's saying this to black people. This is Martin Luther King Jr. saying this to black people who stand on the warm threshold which leads into the palace of justice. That's what they believe, that in 1963, we're standing on a, a threshold that could lead into a palace of justice. I imagine he would weep today if he said, saw what it's like. In the process of gaining our rightful place, we must not be guilty of wrongful deeds. Let us not seek to satisfy our thirst for freedom by drinking from the cup of bitterness and hatred. No, we must forever conduct our struggle on the high plane of dignity and discipline. We must not allow our creative protest to degenerate into physical violence. Again and again, we must rise to the majestic heights of meeting physical force with soul force. That's the way he put it. The marvelous new militancy which has engulfed the Negro community must lead us, lead us not to a distrust of all white people. For many of our white brothers, have, as evidenced by their presence here today, have come to realize that their destiny is tied up with our destiny. And they have come to realize that their freedom is inextricably bound to our freedom. We cannot walk alone. And I read that in preparation for today's message. And I wanted to cry. (laughs) I wanted to cry. And obviously this is not just, it isn't just African-Americans in our country or African-American Christians who haven't been able to do this it's like, what group anywhere in our country has been able to have the righteousness to follow this, the words I just gave you? A really wise and truly good and needed righteous standard. We're not even close. Hmm. Um, I want to say a couple more things, and before I get to the gospel, let's get to the good stuff soon. I know this is really depressing, but this is who we are. Apart from truth and grace through Jesus, this is all there is. Two things. One, week in and week out, did you notice? You shall not murder. And we're like, and we walk, many of you, I know you came out really convicted from that message. You shall not, you know, you shall not covet. We all cannot do that. And um, that's just in our personal sense. And there's one other reason I want to talk about why this is just impossible apart from gospel and grace. There's There's something inside of us. It's inside of many Christians. It's certainly inside of all sinful human beings. Do you know we don't even want the truth? The gospel comes through truth and grace comes through Jesus Christ. That's what the Bible says in our text. The law came from Moses. God's laws, the highest laws, is an inerrant law, unlike man's laws. But the truth and grace came from Jesus. Do you know we don't even want that truth? And part of that truth is this. Our righteousness is simply not good enough. And and so if you are listening to this message today, and um, you don't believe in Jesus, I would like you to really wrestle with this question. Do you seriously think that you could just live your life with all your righteousness? Maybe you actually think that. A lot of people today, you know why they, this is the number one reason why they reject Christianity and the gospel. They just don't like this idea that their righteousness is not good enough. And they're like, no, I don't believe that. They just don't believe that. And the number one reason why Christians, why we take the gospel so lightly is because in our heads we say, I'm not righteous, it's not good enough. But inside, then we're gonna try every willpower that we can. So we actually, even as Christians, we actually hate the truth of this message. And you know how I know that people really hate the truth? I had Christians say, Pastor, you're really a like bad news, like mean pastor, because you go and tell us this stuff. I'm like, well, it's in the Bible. <laughs> it's like it's everywhere in the Bible. And until we actually buy this part, then you're not ready for the better truth, the needed, the tremendously good part of the truth, that there is a Savior. Every day, you and I, your righteousness, it's failing. Brothers and sisters, just remember that. But the real truth is you live inside of a Savior. You live with a savior. That's the deeper truth. And you know what you get from that savior? You get grace. <laughs> Let's go to the gospel, and I want to close out. Um, I want to give you the gospel in a lot of different ways to close out this uh, this series. So first, let me just give you the truth. Let me give you some gospel truths. It isn't your works. Your works are not good enough. Your obedience to the law is actually going to get you into hell. If you stand before Jesus one day and say, and he says, why should I let you into my eternal presence? And then you say, well, I, I really went to church. And then, you know, like I really read a lot of my Bible. And then I, I like, like, well, 99.9% of the time didn't lie. He'll probably go, well, that, well that's a lie. <laughs> and... Uh, And so, even if you go, and I never cheated on my wife, and I never looked at porn, and I never stole from anybody, and I was always super kind to my parents, and I never missed church, I never missed Bible study, you're not going to make it. Hmm. But the truth is, his righteousness, you'll say, my righteousness is horrible. I gave my life to Jesus, His righteousness is upon me. Your righteousness is on me. And Jesus goes, oh, you get it. <laughs> That's the truth. That's the truth. It's His righteousness in every way. It's credited to you, though it's, you didn't earn it. And then the power of His righteousness will actually come into you by the power of the Spirit. Let me give you more gospel truths. You deserve to die, you and I deserve to die. So Jesus came and he died. He died his death? No, he died your death. He died my death. You and I deserve to be rejected and condemned. Now Jesus said, I I will take that. So we have our failure of righteousness and then he gives us ours. And then you know what, he, we deserve condemnation and death and rejection He said, well, I I, I will take that. Let me take that. He says, he took it. You know, it's not on you. Therefore, you can go back and repent. Not just try harder. I'm not telling you to try harder. I'm telling you to repent. Because try harder means something that's something you try to do. But repent is to believe in, he has taken your condemnation and his righteousness will help you get to where you cannot get to the gospel. That's repentance. Here's more gospel. Well, let's just move on. That's the way we put it. We'll just move on. I, you know, I, 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 I uh, looked at porn, so I failed you, honey. Oh, I lied to you and, well, you know, I won't lie to you anymore. So let's just move on. No, it's not cheap like that. His blood pays and it atones. I know that if you don't believe in Jesus and you didn't grow up in the church, you're gonna, it's a really weird idea. <laughs> that there's this blood and it washes something away. But don't you know that if something is filthy, it must be washed? Your mind, your heart, your soul, your name is atoned, it is washed. This is the truth. The truth that we need more than the law. i give like you one more truth. The truth is, in addition to all these things, there's grace. (laughs) All of this is by grace. So now let's go to grace. Truth and grace. From Jesus comes truth and grace, more than the law. So let me just give you, let me roll through some grace, okay? You may not commit the murder of crime, of murder, the crime of murder, But your heart is filled with bitterness and unforgiveness. Christ has your heart of hatred and self-righteousness. Which will get you condemned. But that heart of our murderer's heart has died with him. And so now he has graced you with forgiveness. Though you did not. So, fill your heart with His grace of forgiveness. You can have power to forgive the person you'd rather kill. (laughs) You're so often a taker and not a generous contributor. But by grace, Christ serves you. He washes your feet. He washes something much dirtier than your feet, He washes your heart and your mind. He graciously gives you all good things, even though we don't deserve any of his riches. And he gives you himself, which you and I can never earn. And so this overwhelming grace from Christ, it breaks our stinginess down. And so we stop being robbers and thieves and takers. And we could be generous and beautiful, loving contributors. We have adulterous hearts. And yet his forgiveness and his grace and his faithfulness grows your love so that you do not take your comfort from money or other false God and are adulterous toward God. We're filled with lust and sexual infidelity, but there's the grace of washing. Especially a lot of brothers, you you, you beat yourself up. You look at porns and you beat yourself up. Please don't do that. Stop doing that. You cannot atone, but you are washed. You're washed by the blood of Jesus. We are liars. We got to cover up. We got to cover up. We lie. We, We love believing in lies. But the grace, he gives us power for real truth and real justice and courage to live inside of truth. The truth of how inadequate we are, and the truth of how great he is. They're incomparable promises. His grace compels us to put away God replacements. So we actually have power to put away covetousness and live inside a glorious kingdom, not inside the prison of secularity. We don't live in a small castle of secularity. We live in a glorious kingdom. That's all by grace. And so I want to close this way, brothers and sisters. Walk in the gospel. Do not make your principles and standards weak. But in no way take any pride or see your own righteousness and worthiness through your own works or your power or through your obedience or even your own good intentions. Righteousness by good intentions. It's, it's, it's pretty pathetic. Right? But seek what actually helps others. Do it humbly, quietly, steadfastly, patiently, without comparing yourselves, without being impatient toward others, without judging them. Don't think yourself better than them. Just remember that Christ was always better than you and you have a part in him. Do these things for other people, quietly, steadfastly. Do it no matter what. Do it even if people judge you or hate you. Do it for Christ. Do it through Christ. Because of Christ. You live and obey in him. You live and obey through him. It's not how well you can do the commandments. It's all about, it's for him, in him, and through the fullness of Christ. The truth of your life is that apart from him, you are nothing. I am nothing. We are nothing. We are damnable, we are pitiable, we are poor and pathetic. Your righteousness is garbage, spoiled and corrupted, weak and feckless. But the truth of your life united to him, in him, is that you are rich. You are full of all great and eternal worthiness because of his worthiness. All of this is by grace. All these grace, it cannot be taken from you. They all belong to you because they belong to Christ. All his wonders are yours. And since you belong to him, you cannot ever lose these riches. His righteousness makes a way when ours cannot. His death puts to death our lies and our righteousness. His life is real life. If you believe in him, you are united to him forever. And his life is your life now. Seek obedience. When you fall, repent And then repent again. Don't get swallowed up by beating yourself up and trying to do self atonement with more and more of your own sad sack righteousness. I got to make myself feel bad because I screwed up. No, just run to Christ. Believe the gospel again and go and repent and obey through him and with him again. This is true freedom, this is real life. This is the truth and grace from Christ, from the gospel. It is more than Moses or any great teacher or leader or from yourself. It's from God through his son. Believe in it again and again and more and more and more deeply and more fully. Believe in it. Believe in it. Live in it. Seek in it. Run to him. This is eternal life. Taste it starting now. Live freely and gladly with victory again and again, now and forever. This is yours. This is life. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, idolaters, coveters, religious Pharisees, people who embrace secular righteousness, failing righteousness of man, and not truth and grace, the supreme, abundant, overflowing sufficiency of God and not our tremendous poverty of insufficiency. Help us to believe this and run to you again and again. Let us not live apart from the law but let us not live in a fear and obedience according to law, but according to the fullness of the law, the completion of the law, the fulfillment of the law through Jesus. Through you, Lord Jesus. Oh, we thank you. Oh, we exalt you. We're so grateful for you. And day by day, may we live in you. May we live for you. May we run to you. May we embrace all your riches in all your promises and bask in them and glory in them and do whatever it takes to offer these riches, this truth, this servanthood to our neighbors and to each other. Be exalted, be magnified, and be king of this absolutely broken time. Come and heal us and make us new according to your gospel. In Jesus' name, amen.